Welcome to Material Podcast, a show all about the Google and Android universe, hosted on the Relay FM network. This episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace and Igloo. And one of your hosts, UX designer Yasmin Evian. And joining me, my wonderful co host, tech columnist Andy Anako. Hello. And app developer Russell Ivanovich. If I have this right, Yasmin, it's Happy Independence Day. Down with the British. Woo! Down with. Is that, how, is that what you chant on no. Independence Day? No. Too soon? Hey, too okay. soon, man. Too the soon. The world's too soon. turned upside down. <laughs> hey, you know, it is uh, July 4th, is also my birthday. So I get to celebrate uh, with fireworks. So I'm pretty, pretty excited. Or did I already celebrate? I don't know. In, in the theory of uh, releasing, I guess. Or, wait, should we just tell them we're recording early? No, maybe uh, just like want to leave the surprise. The I, I think we already yeah. have, yes, mean. I think we already have. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what about that guy who blew off his, his a lot of his fingers with those illegal fireworks? For heaven's <laughs> sakes, just because just because the fuse fizzles out does not mean that fuse is still not live. By all means, don't uh, don't be careful. Yes, uh, so to all of our American listeners, uh, happy Fourth of July Independence Day and happy birthday to me. There we go. Um, Project Block still. It's all, about all of me. our UK listeners. It's probably probably not. It's not too late to take back the US. Make America great again. Just just oh, take it back. Oh boy. Just some suggestions just for you. Like the, this just, is... as a, as our only international host, I, I feel like I have to represent the other side just a little bit. Just playing devil's advocate. Well, since, uh, yeah, since Britain has has declared that it's kind of okay to simply separate from a larger organization, that that's perfectly cool. You know, I mean, if you, I think it's about time that uh, you guys got uh, got your own uh, your own people on your money. You know, the the, the, the lady, <laughs> the, the, she's a lovely lady, but when you get to the next guy, maybe not necessarily. So, so did you did you have a lot? Of, did you have a lot of jokes growing up about how this is? Uh, the day that we celebrate America's independence from Great Britain and Yasmin celebrates her independence from her amniotic sack. Yes, yes, yes. There is a, that's, you know, one of my favorite uh, yearly tweets cl- declaring, I declared independence today from my mother's womb. There you go. Uh, you know, always a good <laughs> it was one. It a always nine a good struggle. One. I, be, yeah, I bet you also, I bet you also heard, oh, no, no, see, it's the 4th of July cookout and your birthday party. You see? <laughs> You see how convenient so, that is for your parents? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to not exactly. have a separate no, moment uh, that's all about you. Yeah, and um, here, here's a funny story. My sister was born on Christmas, so she really, really just got chipped oh, on that God. one. So, wow. uh, yeah, my mom was like, "Hey, I can't have any more kids because I've already have two of the two of the main holidays." So, uh, you can know, I, can I ask what what is it about being nine months before a major holiday that put your parents just in that romantic mood? <laughs> Ah, uh, I, I don't want to think about that. Hey, baby, that. Arbor Day. Arbor ah, Day is nine months you. away. Can't Let's get it you. on. <laughs> machine learning. Machine learning. It was the machine learning. Yeah, they 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 plotted all the graphs and they're like, bingo, Fourth of July. Oh gosh, ah, uh, this is well. This this took a this took a twist for a learn. But um, yes, you know we we are answering listener questions this week because well, I don't know if we're going to tell this. We're we're already telling them. Are we telling them we just didn't record in time? <laughs> I guess we are now. too late now. Yes. I'm sorry, I ruined the surprise. We recorded. But, but uh, we're doing it because we care. We, yes, we care about you. You sent us your questions. We're going to answer your questions. We acknowledge. Yes. Only this week we're going to acknowledge that you actually all exist. We love all of you, not even collectively, individually. And in the following order, Terry Sutton of Terre Haute, Indiana. So one of the questions that has been on all of everyone's minds, and it's actually a pretty uh, recent topic, is that do you feel Google could really thrive by creating their own phone like the rumors are suggesting? And so I know that we all have thoughts on this. So there, there's some rumors going around that Google is creating their own phone because they want to be like Apple and they want to, you know, contr- no, that's not true. They, they want to create their own phone so they can compete with Apple because, you know, Apple takes, they, they control the software and the hardware. Um, and so they really are able to create this really great experience where on Android, you know, the Android and Google is really in charge of the software and they rely on manufacturers to create awesome phones. And yes, they partner with a lot of different manufacturers to kind of create phones like the Nexus line, which runs stock Android and gets uh, updates directly from them. So you don't have to deal with that if that you know if that's and really important to you but there is some rumors out there saying that google is about to release their own phone um, sometime this year in the fall that's actually going to be a, a google phone that's not going to be the nexus line it's going to be like their own hardware so i i i have thoughts but i want to hear your thoughts where, where are you all on this hmm. 
Well, I don't know. It's it makes the only the only way it makes strong sense is the fact that now they have uh, Motorola's former head, uh, the, the, the the one of the key people involved in creating the Motorola's uh, Android phones is now actually a Google employee, uh, and now he's working in that field. So. He has a lot of – it's not just that his previous role makes sense, but also means he has a lot of operational knowledge about how to take a product to manufacturing. So it's it's a pretty easy fit. I don't know if it makes total sense because um, realize that Apple is manufacturing every iOS-based phone that anybody uses, and that keeps them – on that, that gives them a full plate. Uh, if they If Google wants to really compete with Samsung – that's a lot of phones they're going to have to cover. And also, they that might suggest that maybe Samsung would say, why don't we get moving on our own operating system if Google wants to cut in on our territory? Uh, but it, I think it would be really wonderful if they did something like that, like let's say, let's say a Nexus, but the next level up, where they said, no, this is literally every single technology that we think is really, really good, everything that's going to set us apart from everybody else. We're going to have uh, some Aura, Project Aura technology in there, so not necessarily an entirely an Aura phone, but we're going to have one a slot for one Aura module in there. Uh, and out of the box, it's a picture frame, so you can have a picture of your honey in there. Uh, but but it's also a module, so if you want to add something to it later on, you can certainly do it. Uh, and it's I think you've been able to feel Google's frustration in the past where, guys, HTC, Samsung, you guys, you're making cheap, horrible phones that are underpowered and don't have enough application RAM. Please make phones that make us look good. Oh, but why did you pre-install that software? It's almost as if you don't want us to look good. So I don't know. I don't think it'll be a tactical, it'll be a real strategic thing for them to do, but I'd like to see it anyway. I do wonder how much of this rumor, because it's been going for a while, how much of it is actually wishful thinking. Like I do know a lot of people would love it if Google had complete freedom to to build the hardware, to build the software, to build the two together, to do like cool integrations to them, to magically ship it like in volume to the entire world all at once at a really cheap price. I just I just don't know if, if I'm Google, I can see me having that as a backup plan. Like I'm always going to have that, you know, I'm going to have a team of people somewhere, you know, building the Google phone every year. But I don't, that's a bit of a nuclear move. Like you put that out into the marketplace and if you put it out there, as this is our phone, it is the best phone and is the greatest phone we've ever made and it is better than all your phones. That That is a really awkward marketing position when you have people like Samsung who absolutely dominate the Android market. You know, they sell millions upon millions of millions of Galaxy S7s and Galaxy thises and Galaxy thats. It's, do you really want to get someone like that angry? And Samsung themselves have a backup plan. You know, they, they've made, started making their own browser. They've bought their own mapping solution. They've got their own cloud services. They've got their own apps on Android. It's... It's not that much of a stretch to hit the you know fork button. They'll be like, we still run on Android, but we now run on the open source version of Android. So you know, Google, goodbye Google Play Store and Google Play services. I don't, I don't know that if I'm Google, I do that this year. Like that feels like some kind of strategic plan you've got for should things go really bad, and you know, should our relationships with our you know partners deteriorate, or should they do something that's really, 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 really bad for the ecosystem? Then maybe we push that button. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, you know, um, they they have been pushing their campaign, Be Together, Not the Same, because they want to celebrate all the different devices that you can get on Android. Um, the beauty of Android and why, one of the things that I love Android so much is that regardless of price point, you can usually get an Android phone. You can get a really extravagant, um, you know, really expensive Samsung S7 Edge of who I am very jealous of yours, Russell. I'm admitting it. You know, maybe I don't want to deal with... Don't, you don't have to be. It's broken, Yasmin. <laughs> it's been three weeks at the official Samsung Ooh, repair. Maybe I'm not too... Let's not Maybe I'm not that. too jealous because I have my 6P right here with my awesome uh, photo live case and it's wonderful. So um, sorry. Well, but you're, you know, maybe by the time I launch my 6P camera app, your, your S7 will come back. <laughs> Zing. Okay. Sorry. Back to the question is that they've been really pushing their beat together and not the same. And for them to, like you said, create something that's like, hey, this is the phone. This is what it's supposed to be. Um, we are kind of the best, whatever. That doesn't really fall in line, but but I, if they still release their Nexus line and they have this new phone that maybe falls into another, you know, the, their Pixel line or whatever, they could essentially are just saying, here are other alternatives. We're not necessarily being like Apple saying this is the only way to get Android. They are introducing all our other alternatives. Maybe, potentially, I don't know. I just don't, 
I don't see the the huge benefit of it. And if they release one in the fall, maybe I guess I'll be proved wrong. Um, but um, it's uh, it's an odd thing for for them to do that, in my opinion. Yeah. The, 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 the final thing I would have to say is that remember that they're not just competing with Samsung on hardware. They're also going to be competing with Samsung on advertising. Uh, and really, the only places I've regularly seen uh, Google ads for Android is in Times Square and that huge, huge LED billboard that they have. Whereas I have many, t I know that I know that a certain Samsung has de device has shipped by the virtue of the fact that my commuter train pulls into South Station and I see that every <laughs> billboard, analog and digital, has the Samsung logo uh, and, a, and a walkthrough of features. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they fight that fight. Speaking of the, you know, Google having their own phones, they are asking, there's been a question on there that's, uh, how long will my Nexus phone get updates from Google? You know, when you have an Apple phone, um, you are pretty much, uh, I don't know, is it a couple of years, Russell, that you're going to get the updates from Apple? Like they, they support their It's diversity. a decent amount of time, especially with the, the latest releases. It's it stretched out to like three or four years now. It used to be they cut off some of the early phones very early, I guess, because they were under spec and they didn't have certain specs that the phones needed. But after the the 4S and getting into the 5, they they still support the iPhone 5, like yep. in iOS 10, which came out four years ago, Andy. Yep. I'm trying to count backwards. It's a, 5S, 6, 6S, yeah, yeah, four years. They, they have a very long obsolete list. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Rather, very long <laughs> span of time before you can you can stop. You have to stop using a phone. So in the in the, in in the Android world, because you have all the different manufacturers, and even above the manufacturers, you have all these different carriers. Is that maybe your manufacturer has sent out a release for the latest operating system, but then your carrier has to go through that and also release that to you. So the, a lot of people get those Nexus phones, which means you're going to get it directly from Google, so you don't have to kind of deal with that entire mess. So people are asking, like, okay, you know, I'm getting direct updates from Google. Like, I know my Nexus four got got uh, marshmallow and i i believe maybe it's getting android in i don't know maybe andy has an answer for us is the nexus 4 going to get android n and how long will my nexus phones get updates from google <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh, Google has updated its uh, Nexus support page with an actual specific explainer on this. Uh, so they're saying that they will guarantee, I, I suppose, the, the non-legal definition of the word guarantee, but they're, bas they're basically saying that uh, for at least two years after your device first appears in the Play Store for sale, you will get system updates from uh, operating system and version updates from uh, from Google. You will get security updates for at least uh, three years from the date it goes on sale or at least uh, 18 months after it disappears from the Play Store, whichever one is later. So there's a longer window uh, for the security updates that keeps your phone safe. Uh, and so if you extrapolate, if you look at uh, uh, recent uh, phones, uh, the Nexus 5's guarantee window actually expired in October of 2015, so you're kind of in bonus time. Uh, the Nexus 6 and the Nexus 9 will expire in October of 2016. Um, and uh, if you bought a Google Play Edition phone when uh, those were available, that's, that's like actual like Samsung branded phone, actual Motorola phone, only instead of uh, giving you the version that has the skinned interface and all the crapware on it, they're giving you something that's a little bit closer to the source. Uh, the, those are, they may not receive, it's just a little bit weaselly, you may not receive further updates uh, 18 months after initial release uh, because it's not as though those phones have a pipeline directly into Google for system updates. It still requires Motorola and Samsung and those other companies uh, to you know, get their butts off their off their chairs and uh, do, actually do something, so a little bit more longer of a guarantee. Um, it's still highly, highly desirable, though. Um, I'm I'm using the uh, the, the One Plus Three and really, really loving it. But I'm wondering, though, would I be given that it took about ten months for One Plus to release Android M for this device? And I got uh, I, I got it almost immediately for the phone that I was using at that time because it was a Nexus device. I would kind of like to ha have even a somewhat subclass phone if I could get Android N like the day it drops. And so you're gonna have to think about that for your for your thing. Too bad that it does, that they aren't willing to support these until 
the carbon death of the CPU in that device. That does seem to be Apple's goal. <laughs> that really, the only time that an Apple device becomes incompatible with the latest release is when it's physically unable to handle uh, the stuff that uh, that the SOAS will do. And they will even do things like, okay, you don't, your device doesn't have Touch ID. That's okay. It'll work. It doesn't have 3D Touch. That's okay. It'll still work. Just won't do this sort of things. So you really are talking, as, uh, as Russell said, it just doesn't have enough application RAM or the GPU is just not up to the task or anything like that. Yeah, so the only other thing I'd add to that is a lot of people assume that if something runs quote-unquote stock Android that it should be really easy for the manufacturer to update. So things like the OnePlus 3, um, some of the Motorola phones that came out looking like you know running the Android operating system, I think what a lot of people don't realize is you get the open source version of Android. There's a whole bunch of things you have to add on to that before you're able to just ship it on a device. Like you need to write all the device drivers. Uh, you need to update you know things for the particular CPU that's in there. There might be a slightly different you know, chip that you need to write stuff for. There might be a different camera module that, you know, you also need to write drivers for. So it yeah, you get the, the stock version of Android, yeah, it's it's open source and whatever. But if I'm a Samsung or even a OnePlus three, I have to spend a lot of effort, you know, putting out new versions. And that's often why they get cut off, because the manufacturer looks at it and they're like, hmm, this is gonna cost us like X engineers in X months. You know, we could do this, or, or we could just push our new phone. Like, you know, buy yeah. buy buy old customers. It, it was it was a pleasure. Yeah, it's a lot of work on their end, and you're basically t- spending a lot of money to convince your customers to not buy a new phone. So it's. <laughs> I, I I I don't approve of that, but at least I understand the logic, and also. Here we see another advantage of Android being uh, having an open source uh, version of it. You can, if you want, once uh, right now, if you want, or once your uh, your uh, phone drops off the the current updates radar, you can replace its stock ROM with a custom ROM and then get your app updates from a different source. Uh, for instance, the CyanogenGen project, uh, you can basically turn your phone from a three-year-old Samsung phone to a modern Cyanogen device. Uh, And it's true that it's not a terribly consumer-friendly operation. You will have to, like, have a couple of windows and a couple of uh, tablet devices with different installation step-by-step instructions just to sort of hold your hand as you go from step to step to reboot it, install new ROMs, load an APK, uh, all that other sort of stuff. But once you have it loaded in, suddenly you're getting all of your updates directly from Cyanogen. Uh, and if you go to the to the site and you look at the, the list of supported devices, it really is a worldwide community project. I mean, there are uh, there are devices that were, <laughs> I think they're prototype Android devices with BlackBerry keyboards that have Cyanogen updates available for it. Yeah, so even, you know, if, I, if I'm hearing some snark from all you Apple uh, listeners saying, oh man, should we get an Apple phone, get direct updates from Apple? Hey, we got Cyanogen mod, we got other people taking care of us with the custom ROMs, so, um, you know. We got you covered. But you know who else also has you covered? It is Squarespace. And this episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page website or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code Material at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you because it is a it is worth the effort. It is worth sharing with the world. Squarespace put all the power you need into the hands and take away the pain points like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. But if you do love to get into the code, they offer their own developer uh, platform so you can get in there and make the site look exactly how you want it. They have state-of-the-art technology to power your site to ensure security and stability. And all their themes are responsive, which is going to be awesome because it's going to look great on that giant desktop of yours or that giant Android phone of yours or just, uh, you know, maybe an iPad tablet. With Squarespace, you get 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams all around the world. They have a commerce platform, so you can start selling things, and they even have a cover page if you just want something single, a single-page website that looks great. If you sign up with their year, you'll also get a free domain name, name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want for your site to be called, kind of like I Love Material, Material Podcast is great, uh, Ran Mean ranmean.com maybe maybe that's a good one we should have registered that we missed that chance (laughs) everyone's everyone's got it now but if you get that now just starting at eight dollars a month sign up for a year get your free domain start your free trial with no credit card required and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com when you decide to sign up for squarespace make sure to use offer code material to get 10 percent off your first purchase and show your support of material we want to thank squarespace for this support of this show and all of relay fm 
So we had a listener question from Gerald on Twitter who asks, Material Podcast, you guys on the recent Android and beta. What? No, sorry. He wants to ask about the recent Android and beta. What do you think of it? Some of our favorite apps don't work on it, so I went back to 6.01. So I guess his question is, you know, is anyone running the beta on any of their phones and what what do they think of it? Yasmin is nodding. Yes, yes. So I have, okay, so at Google I.O., they announced their their developer, Android and developer beta, and they kind of said it was more of like a public beta, so it was ready for public consumption, that it wasn't going to have all the bugs that, uh, you know, people haven't had. And I was very, very tempted to do it at the conference. I know a lot of people at WWDC installed the, the, the latest beta because, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're just wild like that. I, you know, I, but I wasn't able to take that because I was like, look, and I'm in a city that I don't know. I need to rely on my phone to catch um, a lift or, you know, be in charge with the people that I'm hanging out with. I don't want to get lost here. So I didn't do it. But as soon as I got back into town and I was like, you know, I can rely, I don't need to rely that heavily on my phone. I'm ready to take the plunge. Um, and I did it. And the first version, the like the beta that they announced, there was some bugs like where Hangouts kept on crashing and I kept on getting this um, error where it was like, it would just crash. And I forget what the error word said, but I, I wanted to, I tweeted out to the public and I was like, hey, is anyone else getting this? Or it's just like something wonky ha- happened with my uh, beta and I need to just restart my, like a, do a fresh install or something. And a lot of people were saying, hey, we're having the same issues too. But they released a new update and I say that and then I just, I just had another app crash as I said that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if it's related, but maybe they just released an update for that app. So maybe it's the app. But after the update, I haven't had that issue with Hangouts. So it's actually been pretty um, smooth. So I think I'm going to say that, don't quote me on this. Well, you can quote me on this, but if uh, don't get mad at me if it starts crashing on you, that I think it is ready that you can go ahead and install. Again, I, I know, I'm sorry, but, what, but... What about battery life, Yasmin? Battery life. I haven't had any issues. That's always the big question. Yeah. Um, I okay. know that when you first installed the like the developer preview before it was like ready for the public, you were, I was always so tempted to almost install it, and then you told me, oh, my battery is draining so bad, and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. So I haven't seen any issues um, as of yet for that, so I, I haven't really noticed, um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe, other, maybe other people were having issues. So... Again, understanding that a beta is a beta, and so we do have to put that out there. If you really rely on your on your device and you can't have it like screw up at all because for whatever reason, don't do it. <laughs> don't do yeah. it. But if you are a, a listener <laughs> that likes to tinker with stuff and isn't really like isn't really going to be super upset that an app is crashing. I mean, it's irritating, but, you know, as Android users, we're like, ah, okay, this is beta. And if you you can live through that, then do it. But if not, then just wait, just wait, be patient. Good things come to those who wait. Yeah, I mean, it's especially great if you happen to have, let's let's say that you have a, (laughs) for some reason you have two Nexus devices uh, in your possession. Uh, Let's say that you have the Nexus device that you bought and paid for because you liked it when it first came out, but you also have the Nexus 6 that, uh, 6, 6P. 6P. Bastards. My two phones with a number and then a lowercase (laughs) letter after it. They don't realize how little bandwidth I have in my head. It's it's almost almost like they want me to be upset and make mistakes when speaking extemporaneously. Uh, But yeah, uh, if if, if a lot of people like might have bought a phone to test out and then it didn't work out for them, but it was good enough to hang on to it's a great it's a great experience if uh, to have uh, when i when i come home i switch kind of from my uh, from my 5x to my, to google's uh, uh, 6 uh, 6p uh, because really the only thing that the only thing i would not say to do is that remember if your phone stops working and any beta software even though this is a really good beta it's not developer grade i really think it's beta grade if it stops working that means that suddenly you can't you're counting on getting a, getting an uber home and you can't get an uber home or you're counting on getting a text message text Texting somebody to tell you to pick you up somewhere and you can't text them. Uh, but other than that, uh, when I'm home, uh, uh, that's my carrying it, carrying around phone. And that's when I really appreciate, oh, God, I wish that when I was out of the house, I could use these notifications. And I wish that I was, when I was out of the house, I could use multi-apps on the same screen and all these tiny little refinements. that uh, it's, it's almost like a little bit of a hiccup when I go out for my walk or when I go out to, to catch my train. And suddenly I realize that uh, – I, I suddenly realize that I can't 
I don't have my customized uh, uh, hardware, my, my customized hardware tray anymore. I don't have all these other things I've been really counting on. So if you have a great for a second device for a primary device, unless you want to have a lot of really good excuses for why you didn't necessarily get that message that your boss was trying to drag you out of your vacation to to, to work on something, not a good idea. I will have so I have something to add, and um, I feel bad because I told people to go install it. But um, if you have Android Auto. Google Maps is not working. Um, and I know it was listed as an urgent issue that they're going to take care of. So if you are running the developer preview of Android N and you have Android Auto, Google Maps will not open, which is actually a pretty big one. Um, so that's actually something to consider. If you rely heavily on Google Maps, don't do it. Um, you know, we thankfully, like my husband had his phone when we were driving around. So we were able to use his navi his navigation. And when I'm around the city, I don't really rely on it so much. But there has been some cases where I was like, I'm going somewhere and I can't see it on, on my uh, Android Auto. And it was just keeps on crashing Google Maps. So hopefully, hopefully they get that fixed soon. But yeah, I guess that that's just the word of caution. Maybe something is working, but then they do an update with another, you know, beta and then it, it kind of uh, crashes one of the apps. So just you have to really take that into consideration. So there's that. But mm -hmm. um, if you want if you want the multi window support and running seeing two apps at one time, you know, maybe go for it. But be warned. There can yeah, be and I'd say especially if you have a tablet that you don't use as your primary device, install it there first. You know, if you've got a Pixel C or a Nexus nine or something like yeah, just just try it out in there and see what you think. <laughs> okay, we got this question from Lee Peterson via Twitter. Uh, I wanted to get Andy's take on iOS 10 today widgets versus Android's widget approach. Um, one of the nicest thing about and about iOS 10 is how they have uh, really really overhauled notifications there, uh, and they've also uh, I wouldn't say that they it's. Widgets is kind of a weird word to use. It's for listeners of this podcast. It's almost as though they have Apple has unofficially embraced the the cards idea of interface. Uh, the idea of saying hey, we have this special alternative minimized view of data and operability that that a uh, application can project into other parts of the experience. So it's not just that having uh, today widget, uh, if, again, for listeners, if you swipe down from the top of, uh, of an iOS device, you get this little translucent panel that has, here's your today's schedule, here's your calendar, here are little widgets, little bit of, again, cards uh, from third-party apps that have been enhanced to, uh, to work in there. And of course, you can choose which cards will appear, which cards are, are not going to appear. Uh, but they've taken that and they've really broken it out. Uh, they've uh, Now that those those notifications, uh, those widgets will also appear on the lock screen, which I think transforms the entire experience because it, uh, it really does make you think that Apple wants the lock screen to be now the new hub of the iPhone experience. They're so rich in content. Not just simply here is a line, here is a text box in which you can type in a reply, but here is a minimized version of uh, of, uh, of the interface of this app for just dealing with this one piece of information or this one alert that we've given you. Uh, and also, when you enhance that with uh, 3D Touch, the ability to not simply tap this and then unlock the to unlock the phone, launch the app, and go there, but simply press a little bit harder and let me just peek at a little bit deeper into this before I figure out whether this is worth my sitting down for and then solving a problem as opposed to, no, I can keep on walking or I can board my bus with impunity because this really is not terribly important. Uh, so and also it's not just – so we have something that's going to be uh, part – in the Today screen, it's going to be uh, in, on the lock screen, and a lot of that same sort of uh, – approach is also going to be in Siri because they're bringing Siri to the desktop in Mac OS. So then there isn't a one-to-one -one correspondence between how these things work on the lock screen and the today screen and how it works in Siri. Like when you ask for a, a result, it won't, Siri won't just simply, here's the, uh, here's a transcription of the result we're speaking to you, but here's actually a little widgetized sort of a, a version of that information. So it's interesting in that it basically takes this basic, this idea of a card and it makes it available across the entire Apple experience. And it makes you think that Apple has a couple of year long plan to make this part of the glue that holds every part of the experience together. Uh, so, And Android has also made a big leap forward with uh, making uh, notifications uh, operable in notifications. They could call it, uh, they could call these things widgets if they wanted to, uh, but uh, it's really a huge, huge leap forward. This, this, this is one of the things that I've always thought that Apple has been lagging behind in Android. And I'm also very, this, uh, this is not snark at all. I'm very, very pleased that App, this is one area in which consistently Apple has 
sort of swallowed their pride and said, yes, people are going to say that a year after Android did the an operating did an OS level interface idea this way, we're doing it pretty much the same way. It's not necessarily one hundred percent true, but it's certainly something you can you you can make. But it works. It's great. It's well influenced. I'm glad they did it that way. This is where I throw some shade because it's actually not a year. Like the year is probably the introduction of actually replacing notifications. Because if we remember before Android that actually had widgets on the lock screen, I don't remember. I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, the the widgets on the lock screen and how like popular they were and like getting a a lock screen app or widget on your on on the lock screen of Android was like the cool thing. It was like, oh mm-hmm. man, look at all these different lock screen apps that we can have. And I remember, you know, remember Dash Clock. Give some love to uh, Dash Clock Widget out there who essentially dash clock with which it displayed your time and weather and even gmail like unread like it had all these things almost kind of like what um and what apple is doing now i mean obviously in a, in a different way because it's built into the actual system um but it's kind of it's actually kind of a, an interesting thing because you had android who really relied heavily on the widgets on the lock screen and you could even scroll through different widgets. So uh, for one of them, you could have like your, I guess Google Keep wasn't even available then, but if you had a note-taking app or something, you could put that as the widgets and you can scroll through it and see that. And then you can also unlock it from like the the main lock screen, home screen. And then they did this shift where they only started showing uh, notifications and the notifications, you know, you could see them um, and, and pull them down and expand them to really kind of respond and see those right away. So it was actually kind of an interesting shift where they they went from this lock screen that could potentially do anything that you wanted it to do to now only really displaying notifications because they realized that's kind of what people wanted to focus on. And then now it's funny to see Apple kind of taking this approach. And and I think like you you made a good point, Andy, where the Apple's widgets are more like cards. So in essence, they kind of are like notifications just with a bit more information on them. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's interesting to see that Apple is taking this, this, uh, this approach. But yeah, we'll we'll see where Apple ends up next with uh, displaying things on a lock screen because I remember I used to love to cast, cast, customize my lock screen. That was like the fun thing to do. And now I'm just like, yeah, I really just want my notifications on there because I want to see what I missed. Yeah, I guess the interesting thing about Apple's widget implementation is it's actually in three places. So it's on the lock screen. It's a swipe to the left. It's, on, it's still in the today notification pull down. You have to swipe to the left. And it's also the very most left screen, which I know a lot of Android phones use for Google Now and things like that. So Apple have said, you know, it's coming to all three of those places. And I, I really I, I like the way they've done their widgets. You know, as a developer, it's it's a really clean implementation. It's It's nice. It's fairly easy to support. I think the one reservation that I have is I do like on Android, you know, being able to put my calendar on my actual home screen and it takes up, you know, physical space, you know, my icons kind of flow around it. I feel like the one thing that's missing in iOS at the moment is a little bit of a redesign of their home screen experience. Like they've essentially had the same launcher, you know, minus Mm -hmm. a few small additions for so long now, you know, since the original iPhone and they've been bolting things onto the side of it like constantly. But the, the fundamental, like you must order your apps from the very top left to the very bottom right and there must be no gaps in between and there shall be nothing else to to pollute this you know this sea of icons i i do wish i could just put things like my calendar and then fly a few icons around it and then put some more widgets on the screen afterwards like i like the fact that ios now has widgets i just wish i could kind of put them in more places yeah i mean it's, uh, the name of apple's uh, iphone launcher is springboard and it really has it's almost exactly like what uh, has made much progress beyond what the newton message pad had for here are icons representing every app that you have installed. No, you cannot remove any of these icons because they are all the apps you have installed. Just tap one to get in. And uh, uh, it was it was actually considered big news when I think it was Tim Cook himself who uh, announced or mentioned that good news. Now, if you don't, if you, you can actually you remove the stocks app or the what the built-in apps you don't use at all, and no, you can't actually remove them, but at least you can hide them from the desktop. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's been an area which I really wish Apple would do some forward thinking. Uh, I've come to the theory, though, that this is the, the idea of having 3D touch and really cool things on the lock screen is Apple's way of trying to minimize the importance of uh, of, uh, of Springboard completely. But yeah, I would love to see widgets uh, like that. Uh, it, was, it was only like when I got the 5X and totally like sort of rebooted my thinking about Android that I started really embracing uh, desktop widgets in a in a big way, and I went from having like two or three pages of app icons on my desktop on my uh, 5x to one front page of launchers that I need. But then instead of I, I, when I when I launch uh, my calendar, 
it's because I want to look at what's coming up today. So why don't I just devote that to a full page widget? Uh, and I, go, I, want, I want to add it to do or add a note. Why don't I make that a full page widget? So it becomes just swipe, swipe. And now I have pretty much everything I need for to add something to Evernote. And then I'm off at the races. It's just another way to customize this phone and make it uniquely Andy's phone and not generically something that uh, tens of millions of other people have. Yeah, and if you know if you don't like the widgets on your home screen, there are other alternatives for you like Action Launcher, which allows you to access the widgets of that app on like a swipe up or a double tap. You can set it up to configure it. So some people don't like to clog their their home screen with like all the widgets. Some people do like Russell that you can actually just swipe up and get access to those oh. widgets. So uh what I was <laughs> Some people like to dirty their home screen with this dirty, dirty widgets. I guess that's all right if you're one of those people. Yeah, you know, you you've seen mine. It's uh, all my apps are are hidden within folders, but um, they're they're categorized and they're wonderful. Right. This is a complete aside, but the developer of Action Launcher, Chris Lacey, fellow Australian, he is really holding out hope that one day Apple will implement third-party launches. And I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, so sorry, Chris. But, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I see it. Uh, but <laughs> maybe maybe they'll, uh, you know, they, they barely started letting you hide stuff from it. So maybe, maybe there's hope in a couple of 10 years or so. <laughs> but another question, yeah. uh, talking about outdated technology and zing, um, Ooh, actually, that's that's not, well. They, people want to know what are what are our thoughts on wireless chargers, and is there any chance that Qi uh, wireless chargers return to the Nexus device? And this was another thing that was uh, really like an important thing when I was searching my phone. So this was around the same time when I was really into lock screens. You know, it, this was like all right, wireless charging, this is the future because, you know, you don't have to plug in your phone. It's on your desk and you can just set your phone on the, on the, on the charger, the wireless charger. And when you pick it up, boom, it's already charged. It's wonderful. Here are the drawbacks with wireless charging is that it's generally slower. Although I will say that Samsung and maybe others have, uh, have introduced the quick charging capabilities into wireless charging. Um, maybe one of you can, can fact check me on that because I haven't tried it. No, no, it. Samsung definitely has and, a, a wireless Samsung, fast yeah. charger. And so I don't it's know faster. if... It's faster. Who is faster. it? Is it as fast as a quick charge? <laughs> I think here, here's the no. here's the thing where where I saw the benefit of wireless charging before quick charging or turbo charging was introduced. The wireless charger was great because you can just set your phone on a wireless charger and it would charge your device and you don't actually actually have to plug it in because you can just have it on your desk all day. But the introduction of turbo chargers and quick chargers has for me actually gotten rid of that need because. It is so easy and so, or so quick to get a like some some uh, charging on your device if you're going to go out for the night and you're like oh no it's running low let me plug it in for 15 minutes and then I can be be out for the for the night so for me that has replaced that need so I personally don't really miss it the wireless charger and I don't really I don't feel like it's a it's a need where I'm like oh man I, I really wish phones would bring back the wireless charger but I'm interested in hearing uh, your guys's uh, thoughts on that. I, I do miss it a little bit. So I had a lot of Samsung devices. And in fact, the S7 still supports um, wireless charging. It is really convenient, you know, late at night just to be able to put your phone onto the pad and just know that it's, you know, you don't have to fiddle with a cable or whatever. I will say, though, a lot of phones like the Nexus, the Nexi, the, the latest ones, they have um, USB-C. So that's one of the huge, you know, disadvantages of having to plug in a micro USB cable. It used to be you try and jam it in, it doesn't fit, you flip it upside down, it still doesn't fit, and then you flip it back up and then it magically goes into the thing. You're like, ah. <laughs> and I know that sounds like first world problems, but that was a huge thing that made me go into wireless charging. I'm like, this is so awesome. I don't have to you know, try and fiddle with this USB cable and try and get it in. And now that you know, USB-C is on a lot of devices, I feel like I still like the idea of wireless charging. But the fact is, you know, if you have an Android Wear watch and you have a phone, it's very rare that both of those will charge you know, off the same thing. Yeah, you offer your wireless charger that you have. So you still need two two plugs coming out of your wall. You still need two wires. All you're really taking away is that last wire that goes from your phone to, uh, you know, to the the power. And I'm like, I can I can plug that in. It's not so bad. You know, it's it's nice, but I wouldn't I wouldn't not buy a phone if it didn't have wireless charging. Yeah, I I I got to a, I first started using wireless charging on a regular basis for my Nexus Five. And uh, I loved it. I found out, I, I've eventually found that uh, there are only two or three places in the house where I tend to put my phone down 
And if you simply buy two or three kind of inexpensive uh, uh, Qi-compatible chargers on eBay for like 10 or $15, that suddenly means that my battery has infinite life because it's just there's a there's a charging pad on my nightstand there's a charging pad next to my uh, my keyboard here in the desk and there's a charging stand on the end table where I usually sit uh, when I watch television uh, the that's changed a lot since I've and, and because it's it's things like I'm sitting here for a couple hours. I'm not using the charging stand to try to get an hour, uh, get it topped off in an hour. So that's not that wasn't a problem. Um, I have to say that though that I don't miss it on the 5x because with the with the Android M, they solved the problem of, gosh darn it! I had a hundred percent charge here <laughs> when I took it out of the charger for my nightstand. I have not left the house. I've not used it. It's three hours later. I'm about to leave the house, and it's down to eight uh, percent. Doze has actually solved yeah. almost all of those problems for me, so I don't really need it as much as I used to. Uh, and so now I'm basically down to having a USB three cable <laughs> here that's sort of like permanently installed uh, next to my keyboard here. Uh, so if I'm sitting here for six hours, uh, I'll definitely do that. So it's it's nice to have on top of everything else. Else, but if it's missing, then I'm not going to miss it. Well, there you go, listeners. Sorry, I think the listeners that asked, they, they sounded pretty excited about wireless charging. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to be so down yeah. with it. It is. I guess the, the nice thing about it overall is that you don't understand. You don't really get used to how. It's a trivial amount of labor to pick up a cable and plug it into something. That's negligible. Again, I'm sitting here at the desk. Here is the cable. But how many times with my 5X have I woken up to a battery that's, okay, 32%, not zero, realize that, Andy, here is the cable right there in the nightstand. And you put it <laughs> next to it, but not plugged yeah. into it. I will say to the listeners that we're excited for wireless charging. I am curious if you have used quick charging and also um, the, the if you you know have well maybe if you have those like on the latest version of Android because those things like we've all mentioned have kind of gotten rid of that whole oh no I need to have this always charged and with wireless charging we could have that but you know what I wouldn't miss or what I would really like is like actually wireless charging so I am in my house and my phone is being charged. That'd be wonderful. Don't ask me about the health ramifications of that. Um, you know, I think it'll, it'll be fine as long as the waves are cool. <laughs> cool like igloo. <laughs> See, I tried. I tried. How, how about this? How about this one? Uh, I had a problem where I had my Chi wireless charger, but I knocked it off the table. And because it's made a ceramic, it broke into two pieces. And to make it work again, I glue it back together. Oh, I glue. <laughs> I glue. This is reminding me of something. Ah, oh, Andy, I have to share this with you. This week's sponsor is actually iGlue. For some hey, reason, we got there. they pronounce iGlue. <laughs> hey. They prefer the pronunciation igloo, but let's go with iGlue. It's the internet you'll actually like. So it's not a broken wireless Qi charger. It's the internet you'll like. With igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. You can manage your tasks from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone as you are leaving you know, the client site. You can access the latest version of a file from home. You can even do this in your pyjamas. So you can you know, wireless charge your phone in your pyjamas while getting access to all your internet documents. So these days, everything is mobile. So you know, your work should, should be the same. If you've ever looked at, you know, the internet that your company uses and thought, you know, whoever designed this must truly hate me and everyone I know, that's probably true. You know, this is how some of these open source projects, you know, end up. All well, those days are over. Igloo allows you to make your internet feel like a place you actually want to be. And it's surprisingly configurable. You know, you can go in there, you can rebrand it to, you know, I'm sure your company has a logo. I'm sure your company has a set of colors that, that you want to put in there. You can do all that. You've got group spaces. You've got role-based access permissions. You've got an easy drag and drop widget editor, you know. If you go in there, I guarantee you, you can make your company's internet look good, which it probably never has. Like, let's be honest. And it has all the other things covered. So, you know, terms like 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, Active Directory integration, all the things you need, like an enterprise software, they're all there, including, you know, Box, Google Drive, Dropbox, and all that sort of thing. Um, with Igloo, you can also share files with your coworkers for you to collaborate on. And you can also track who has read them with read receipts. And this can be super useful, you know, I've sent... Andy, you know, PDF, blah, and has Andy read it or not? Oh, okay, I can see Andy read it, you know, at 4 a.m. while trying to charge his phone on his on his charger. And th this is a cool thing. And finally, you know, you're thinking, ah, oh, I've got to get me some Igloo. Where do I go? Where do you go to glue this all together? You sign up at igloosoftware.com slash material, 
And if you go and sign up right now, you can try it for free for any team up to 10 people for as long as you want. So it's not even like a 30-day trial. If your team's under 10, you can go for your life. And we want to thank Igloo so much for supporting Material and all of Relay FM. Bum, 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 bum. People want to know. Russell, you, you shared about this uh, two weeks ago, and they want to know what is the best way to experience VR on Android at this moment? I've never tried VR, and I am curious. They are VR curious. So they want to know. <laughs> well, I'd say if you, they want to know. They're VR curious. They want to VR and chill. the The best way to start is to get yourself some Google Cardboard. You know, you probably have a phone that supports Google Cardboard, whether you have an iOS device or an Android device. Cardboard is crazy cheap. You know, you can pick it up for five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars. It's not going to blow your mind absolutely. You're not going to be in it for hours, just you know, staring at fish and going, "Oh, I never want to leave this experience ever." It is, it is, I guess, budget VR. But it is still VR and there's support on, um, you know, things like YouTube videos. You can watch some of them in 3D. There's some where you can go, you can literally go to a concert and you can look around the cloud. There's cloud, crowd. Maybe there was a concert in the cloud. I don't know. There was one of a helicopter where you're sitting in the helicopter and you get to look around as that flies over, you know, Sydney Harbour Bridge. There's one of a cable car. You know, the reason I can recall all these things is my first, you know, proper experience with VR was through Google Cardboard. And I look back on it now, I'm like, you know, that's, that's so low res and the, the refresh rate is not great. But it, it was still an amazing experience. So I'd say, you know, start with Google Cardboard if you've never tried that. Yeah, and if you do have a, Sam, a, a, a compatible Samsung phone, uh, Gear VR I think is the best uh, VR experience on Android right now. Uh, it's, the, it's at the right point between what the, what the software and hardware can do right now balance between a a reasonable amount of money for people to spend to get that experience um if you want to spend five you know, two or three thousand dollars on like a real oculus rift setup that requires not only this wonderful headset but also a really really killer windows box to drive it all uh that's you're going to get sort of like early explorer sort of experiences nine nine bucks uh if uh i'll tell you the surprising thing the best experience i had in all my time uh, using uh, gear vr was just the oculus cinema app and it's just a video player uh, really, just if you if there is an MP if there it'll look for MP4 files that are on your device, and you you simply select a, a video file to play, and then it creates a really nicely textured and rendered and lit 3D movie theater. You can choose like a expensive home theater setup. You can choose like a multiplex setup. You can choose like a theater in space. I don't know a theater on the beach. Uh, but I just selected a wide a 1972 like super like widescreen movie. And within like 30 seconds, I was just in a movie theater watching this movie on this like 80 foot screen. And it really made me, this is a movie that I've never seen in the theaters before. Uh, so I've always seen it on like my, on a tablet or on a TV set where I, the entire screen is always a fraction of my field of vision. And I'm in this fake theater, and now I have to look left, look right. Someone is uh, the two people are having a conversation on the left hand side of the screen. There's somebody who is just sort of like fussing around in the background, and I know that I have to sort of turn to to pay attention to these other two people. And now that third person, he's in my peripheral vision, and I've came to appreciate that this is how the director intended me to experience this. This is they this this is why he composed that shot that way. Uh, and I really could spend I, I found I've just fired up that that movie because it happened to be on my phone, but I wound up just sitting there and watching the entire movie because I was enjoying it. So that's a good $99 experience. Uh, and the gaming is fine and the uh, some of these 360-degree uh, perspective uh, shows uh, I, I knew that I knew what I knew that these I was in for a lot of education when uh, there's some show I think it was called I think it's the, the that lip sync battle show that I don't watch on on regular TV but they have the, their VR their 360 experiences that they just simply have a 360 camera in like the live crowd and what's cool what was so cool about that was that I happened to be just like standing in my office while I was watching this and now the 360 VR shoots puts me standing up in the crowd. 
uh, at a, a quasi live performance, and I'm doing exactly the same things that I would do when I'm at a live in, in for that place for real. Where okay, I don't I don't really want to watch the person who's performing. I actually want to see what the hosts are doing when they think they're off camera and they're sort of looking at cards. I can turn around and look at what the other people in the crowd are doing. And so after three minutes, the performance ends and people start applauding. And just out of knee-jerk response, I start applauding too because I've been standing up in this environment watching a performance like I would have been for real. So again, that's a good $99 experience. I don't think there are a lot of really good $2,000 VR experiences yet. But again, if you have a compatible device, uh, like a, a current generation or a 2015 generation uh, uh, Samsung Galaxy phone, uh, that's a very good $99 to spend. Just realize that, remember that each of these cradles is designed for your specific phone. So it's not as though you can go into uh, your phone store or whatever, or just order whatever it is you find, and you might find that your phone doesn't actually fit in the cradle. Uh, so be careful that way. And in the future, there will be uh, Daydream. Daydream is coming, they said, sometime this year. So maybe in the fall that they will be introducing their Daydream line, Google's Daydream Upgrade. It's kind of like an update to Cardboard, their VR system, which is actually going to have a headset that you put your phone in, and you're going to have to have a daydream ready phone, and also uh, some. They're going to have some hardware like with your, so you can use for your hands. So, um, yeah, those are those are all ways to get involved if you're really just kind of interested in it. But um, if you can, I think people are saying try to try to find a friend that has HTC Vive or even Oculus and try to try it on just to kind of experience it. But if uh, if you're really just kind of curious and don't know what to do, I'm not sure I can. I recommend uh, buy what was it? use. It's probably a good portion money because you have to buy build a computer that supports Oculus and HTC Vive. So that's definitely a big investment. Um, so if you're just kind of like wanting to dip your toes. Or it depends if you're ready to like jump in. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, cardboard. <laughs> I guess the other thing is just sorry. just with cardboard is a no-brainer for almost anybody. Just realize oh, yeah. that oh, yeah. this, just realize that this is not real VR. It's not. It's it's compromised VR because to even do it on the level of uh, of the Samsung Gear VR, you have to have a super super dense screen. Also, the reactive the speed at which this screen updates to react to your head movements has to be super super on point. And the reason why these Oculus devices uh, and uh, require such great hard Hardware is that to get that really high frame rate, really high detail, and really low latency, you're – that's like plot, plot a course to Mars and back uh, sort of <laughs> stuff, and it has to do it in real time. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say if you've never tried VR and you're trying to get a new phone or something, like you, you probably – if you don't have a, a phone that supports, you know, the Gear VR or something like that, just, just wait till some of these daydream, you know, ready phones come out. If you're like, oh, I want to buy a phone in the next, you know, six months – Wait, wait till some of them come out. You know, read some of the reviews. If you absolutely want to have your mind blown, and this isn't this isn't really Android related, but I recommend you do what Yasmin said. Find someone or anyone who has an Oculus Rift or a HTC Vive. Put that thing on. And I think the the moment I did that, I'm like, yeah, this this VR thing is going somewhere. Like, I don't know what we're going to use this for. I don't know where it's going to go in the future. But you can feel that you're having an experience and the update rates and the, the resolution is so good that you pretty much, you lose yourself in the virtual world. Like within about 10 seconds, you forget that you've got a headset on your face. And the one time you're reminded is when you try and walk out of the physical space that you're in and it puts up these virtual walls. It's like, whoa, it's just not actually a real world. Just just stop, Russell. Don't, don't walk into the wall that's, that's in front of you. And I think we have uh, time for maybe one, one more question. Let's see if there's a lucky listener that we can uh, answer their question for... It's surprising, you know, you, you put out a request for asked material and it's uh, always interesting to see what people are interested in or even the questions and you think, oh man, are we going to have enough questions for a show? And then you're like, um, we won't actually be able to answer all of them because if not, we'd be here, we'd be here all night. I'm not sure if that's saying that there's a lot of questions or maybe that all of us just really, really like to talk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why not both? Both, both. All right, we do have one room for one more question. And they're asking, why can't Google figure out I have a bill due tomorrow, but not figure out I paid it last week? Am I Gmailing wrong? Um, and I've actually, you know, had this issue. So, so what happens when 
Google is looking through your email, they see, hey, you have a, a bill due, and they'll probably put a card up in your Google Now. It's one of the great things about the Google Now, like integration with your Gmail and even your calendar, is if, if it reads your Gmail account, it'll say, hey, it looks like you have an event that you need to go to, would you like me? It'll just automatically add it to your calendar and set it as private if you if you give it that option, which is wonderful because if you, get, you sign up for an event like uh, via Eventbrite, you don't actually have to go and add it to your calendar. It's just boom like magic because it's read all your Gmail and with that the bill so if they if you get a bill via Gmail saying hey your credit card bill is due or your water bill is due uh, Google is going to notify you and I've had this uh, various times before where it like shows up in my Google now and then I have like this uh, little little like panic attack for just a second where I'm like have I not paid that and then I'm like oh no I have that on automatic payment I paid that you know and so the question is how could it not figure out like that I already paid it last week am I gmailing wrong what do, what do we have for answers? <laughs> you're not you're not gmailing wrong. I guess the the reverse question we have for you is: Do you really want to hook Google up to all your bank accounts? Because that's the only way they're going to know that you paid the bill is you either pay it through some kind of Google interface using Google Wallet, which obviously doesn't exist. Like here, at least in Australia, we have a system called um, BPay, and that's like a proprietary system that we have here for paying all our bills and whatever. That's not hooked up into Google in any way. It doesn't even send you email receipts after you pay. It would be nice if it did because I also have the problem that the other day I searched for a fridge. So our fridge died. I'm like, I need a new fridge. I need it today. I uh, Googled a whole bunch of things. I found the fridge that I wanted. And for the next three months, guess what I got in all my Google search ads? <laughs> is fridge ads. Like, because Google doesn't know that I bought that fridge. And on the one hand, I would absolutely love them to know because I'm sick of fridge. On the other, I'm like, do I really want to hook Google up into my bank account stream so they can see all that stuff? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It has to be. You have to expose it to uh, Google for them to find it. But I think that it's not. There are some of the bills that I pay where I actually get an email confirmation that okay, we've just processed uh, auto bill pay has been processed for a transaction. Blah blah blah. Uh, but I think that part of it is that there is no more dangerous and tricky notification for a piece of software to verify and generate than everything is fine <laughs> because because it's, it's easy it's easy for google to say okay I, I just saw an email alert that goes into your gmail account from your bank saying that your balance is less than 100 less than $100 or that there's a transaction that has failed that's pretty much obvious or a bill is due today uh, or uh, again something something alarming when the you're about to see, when a computer can say that you have don't worry this bill has been paid you're not going to check to see if it's been paid or not you're going to simply trust that and until like suddenly your lights go off and your cables go cable goes <laughs> off and there's a car like in the street, like a really old crummy car with a rough looking person in there who just seems to be looking at your house a lot. That's when you said, maybe I should actually check to make sure my bills are being paid on time. I, I have had that happen. What, what kind of bills do you have, Andy? <laughs> I, well, I, I haven't had like the guy like in the street, but I've got the, oh, why does Verizon not think I've paid them for the past two and a half to three months, uh, two, or rather two months? <laughs> Uh, and it's because uh, the the third or fourth or fifth time, like my bank just re re generated, sent me a brand new card because there had been some sort of like huge like you know store fraud sort of thing, and that was the and uh, 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 the the time that that happened, it was because the previous two times I knew that Verizon for uh, for whatever cool uh, the bank for whatever cool reason had automatically notified Verizon of my new information, and stupidly I just sort of trusted that it would work the third time and it didn't. Uh, it, it wasn't as dramatic as all that but the first time i got the hi your bill is, is more than 30 days overdue like what so yeah it's it's really really hard to say everything is okay don't worry just be blind and, and deaf citizen don't don't pay attention to what is going on around you yeah so that that's definitely a tricky tricky one to get but um yeah, it it would be nice if it was smart enough to know for sure that you did pay it or you didn't pay it but that is a tricky one what about if you have two of this for the same amount and it was last month's and it reads it as this month's. I mean, there's just too much, uh, too much at stake here. So, you know, maybe you're not Gmailing wrong and maybe Google's not, I don't know, are they doing it wrong? Maybe they can get use some machine learning powers to get on there. Ooh, machine another machine learning, learning all, dropped all in again. Just sprinkle <laughs> some machine learning this in is there. The, this is the difference between go. Apple users and Google users. Just, just today, I think at some forum, uh, Tim Cook uh, CEO of Apple was had another 
set of com- another address, another set of comments about how there are other there are other companies here in the Bay Area that really want to that, that, that don't care about privacy and security. Meanwhile, we've got a question from someone. I'm worried that I'm not giving enough of my personal financial information <laughs> to Google because I want it to help me more. And I'm <laughs> is there is there a way that I can just sort of like give it give it uh, give it direct access to my bank account so it, even if it decides that it wants to pay bills for me without my telling it it's okay it could do that and the evolution yes, of google from is... a, from service to mom is one step closer to fruition <laughs> i want to thank all of our listeners for sending out their emails there were some really really great ones and we're sorry we didn't we're able to get to all of them but we'll we'll save them um get to them at one point point in time um so we want to thank everyone for listening andy where can people find you and maybe ask you more questions uh, you can find me if you can spell my last name, which means you're probably not going to find me. Uh, I'm at anatgo.com, my personal blog. Uh, and also, I'm anatgo on Twitter, I-H-N as in Nancy, A-T as in Tom, K-O. That's the cheat code to win that game. Uh, and I usually post the stuff that uh, links to the stuff that I publish on the Sun-Times and elsewhere on either of those two things. And Russell, where can people find you online and ask you more questions like, hey, when is uh, iOS, Pocket Cast for iOS coming out? I, I'm going to ask you every episode. I'm just going to do it. I don't know. Well, seeing as I didn't register randmain.com, you're going to have to go to <laughs> twitter.com slash Rusty Shelf. I couldn't even afford my own domain name. Oh, so you just find me on Twitter, yes, Rusty okay. Shelf. And you can find me at, at Yasmin Evian, uh, asking, you know, trolling, trolling the material hosts and all the Apple uh, listeners out there. I have my eye on you, Casey. I'm watching you. I see it all. <laughs> I want to thank. Yeah, don't, don't uh, make Yasmin push your button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, button. Button. <laughs> button. <laughs> And uh, you can follow, follow us on the show at, at Material Podcast. You can send us feedback or questions at materialpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at relay.fm forward slash material. Until next time, stay material. Uh, but the great thing, like, if you have wireless charging, you just drop it on there and then chill. I would say the the wireless charging that would be oh darn it I ruined it darn it's <laughs> okay. just, I just cut that whole thing out I ru- <laughs> you you set them up so good and I just went I, 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 I just was like, like the Kool Aid man I was like oh yeah. <laughs>